coming up on today's show. If I really have kind of gotten immersed in anybody's playing outside of the blues guys, it's been uh, getting into uh, David Gilmore, you know, because I've been, I've actually played his very famous black Stratocaster several times. This is it. This is the Milestone 500th episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, a new episode on time every week without missing once in more than nine and a half years. I am Bruce Wozniak talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Be sure you are on the list for the weekly e-newsletter. I know we put in our email address online somewhere because of some free something we want to get. And we know they're going to put us on their mailing list. And man, sometimes it just gets so annoying with how much that person then proceeds to overwhelm you with nonsense. I'm happy to report that I only send out on Wednesday when a new episode of this show comes out. So make sure you're signed up to receive that for free to your inbox. If you're not already getting it, go to my podcast website, nhte.net, and pop your email address into the sign-up box. I do publish exclusives in there from time to time, so don't miss out. I love hearing from listeners of this show. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville, my guest for this landmark edition of the show is a renowned guitarist and vocalist who has sold millions of albums. From 1995 on, he took seven singles into the top ten and holds the record for the longest-running album on the Billboard Blues charts. He has been nominated for five Grammy Awards and has received two Billboard Music Awards, two Blues Music Awards, and two Orville H. Gibson Awards. In September 2008, Fender Musical Instruments Corp. released a signature series Stratocaster that he designed exclusively. In 2013, he, along with Stephen Stills and Barry Goldberg, formed a band called The Rides. Throughout his career, he has opened up for the likes of the Rolling Stones, Van Halen, Leonard Skinnerd, Aerosmith, Bob Dylan, and the Eagles. From television performances on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, to The Late Show with David Letterman, to Jimmy Kimmel Live, and Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, to features in Rolling Stone, Vanity Fair, Maxim Magazine, Blender, Spin, USA Today, and more, his musical career has been nothing short of phenomenal. He has a new album coming in November, and you've been hearing a song of his called Blue on Black. For the milestone 500th episode of this show, it's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Thanks a lot. Thanks so, so much for talking to me today. It's really great to have you on the show. Let's get started by having you share with the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called Blue on Black. Well, that's a pretty special song. You know, it was first released uh, on my second album, Trouble Is, uh, back in 1997. And, uh, you know, it went to number one on the rock charts and stayed there at the time for so long that it set a record for the longest uh you know, number one, con- consecutive weeks at number one in the history of the rock charts at the time. And 
And then, uh, you know, we recently recorded a new version of that album to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the Trouble Is record. And so we have a, a new version of Blue on Black, faithful recreation of the original. But, you know, that's one of those songs that, you know, it's just really stayed with us. And, and the people still enjoy it. It gets played on classic rock world still and uh and it continues to reach new people and touch people talk about re-releasing it as you mentioned for the 25 year anniversary is it something that obviously as you mentioned you want to stay true to it but is it something that you kind of feel some pressure like i got to do something a little different to this song well you know when we did that whole album uh, you know i had the opportunity if i wanted to to try and completely reinvent the record or change anything that might have been bothering me Mm. about it for the past but frankly uh, the more work we did on it and you know we did two two versions of that record we did a pretty faithful recreation of it and then we did another one where we were kind of messing around with things and the further we got away from the sound of the original album the, the more we lost the vibe of that record mm. and was, the vibe is what was so special about it so you know we took some subtle liberties on the new version so that you know when you hear the record it immediately sounds familiar and you know it's like an old friend and then but as you listen because you know most people who own that record know it very well from top to bottom and so then they start to hear these subtle changes that we made and so they do realize they're having a new listening experience yeah and i would have to imagine that playing that song live for so many years that probably was correct me if i'm wrong maybe one of your tendencies in re-recording it is saying gosh, this is the way I slightly deviated over the years when I performed it live from what was originally on the record back then. I think I'll record it that way now since that's what audiences have gotten used to hearing at my shows. Well, actually, that's what we did with the whole record is we did one version that was very close to the original, and then we did another version where we played the songs How They Have Changed, uh, you know, in 25 years of playing them live. Mm. But frankly, it was a really great exercise because, then I was able to go, you know what, the, the stuff that we've done live, in the moment it might feel good and it might feel exciting and fun and all that stuff, but it's really, it got really far away from the vibe of the original song, which made that so special. I'm like, wow, we really need to get back to square one here. Wow. Wow. Interesting. I mentioned in the intro that you've got a new album coming out in November called Dirt on My Diamonds, Volume 1. What are you at liberty to disclose at this point about that release? Well, um, I'm really excited about it. We're going to be putting out uh, a new song each month between now and November 17th, um, leading up to the release of the whole record. We have, uh, one song is already available called Sweet and Low. Um, but this, to me, is, you know, this is a continuation. We're kind of picking up where we left off from our last album called The Traveler, which came out in 2019. And, you know, I mean, this is like, it's, you know, the Kenny Wayne Shepherd Band in 2023 and it's you know it's blues it's rock it's contemporary whatever you want to call it but it's you know you also hear all these other genres that i grew up listening to that also have an influence on the music that i write and create and so i mean to me i'm really excited to get this record out and for the people to hear it and start playing these songs in our concerts produced by who and recorded where dirt on my diamonds volume one so uh, it's co-produced by myself and Marshall Altman. And Marshall and I started working together several years ago uh, when I did the album Lay It On Down. And so he and I, have, we did the Lay It On Down record, we did The Traveler, and now we've done 
Dirt on My Diamonds Volume 1 and Volume 2, which will probably come out, you know, about a year from now. Um, so it's been a great working relationship with him. And we both have our strengths that we bring to the table. And I think combined, it's a pretty great team. Um, and we make some exciting music. And so, you know, this stuff sounds young. It sounds fresh. It sounds current. It sounds, you know, it's like we're trying to push the genre. I mean, that's what I've always done, to be honest with you, is, I, you know, I've taken blues music as the foundation of what I do. And then I've tried to take that and push it into new and different directions, you know. Um, just to keep it sound, evolving and, and to keep it sounding fresh. And I think this album has that all those elements to it. And where was this album recorded? Oh, uh, we did it in Los Angeles. So to be honest with you, uh, the studio that we recorded it in, that was the last album that was recorded in that studio. And then it, the whole building got torn down in favor of erecting a high-rise condo building. Huh. Um, so the studio doesn't exist anymore. But uh, we we made some good use of the space. And frankly, uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember the name of the studio, to be honest with you. But uh, I don't know that it matters because you couldn't go there if you wanted to. <laughs> That upcoming release, Dirt on My Diamonds, Volume 1, clearly must be in post-production because between now and it coming out on November 17th, you are going to be playing live a ton. Check this out, audience. The rest of this month alone, Kenny Wayne has shows in Missouri, Kansas, Kansas again, Nebraska, Iowa, Missouri, and then two in Indiana. Eight shows in 10 days, not to mention 10 in the first 14 days of October Wow, <laughs> Kenny, you're 25 years into your career. You're supposed to be taking it a little easier than that at this point. Uh-huh. How do you stay fresh and maintain the stamina to still go at it night after night after night like that? Well, I mean, the the God's honest truth is I love doing what we do. I love playing music, and it's a great opportunity that you know I've been given to be able to do this for a living. And I don't take it for granted, you know, but part of it is continuing to put out new music you know, that's part of it because it gives us new stuff to play. And uh, so we're not always playing uh, the same songs all the time. But I have a huge catalog, you know. I could certainly just go out and play the hits that we've had over the years and just stick to that. But, you know, I'm still continuing to produce new music and trying to uh, take my music into different directions. And so when we put new records out, we, we play some of the new songs in the show. And that certainly helps keep it interesting for us and the fans is there any part of it that is oh i also have a fitness regimen i have a certain diet i take long vacations does any of that come into play well i mean you you definitely have to take care of yourself i mean the older you get you kind of can't throw caution into the wind so much anymore so um and you know there's it's strenuous being out on the road in, in certain ways. You know, the travel uh, can be uh, take its toll and, you know, the late nights and things like that. Um, but, you know, I just try and take care of myself. I try and eat well. And I do have an exercise routine that I do. And I have a nutritionist, you know, that I work with. And she's helped me get into, you know, uh, arguably the best shape of my life in my 40s. And so, wow. uh, but all that stuff is, is important. I mean, if you look at athletes, I mean, it's like, their nutrition, their exercise. I mean, everything they do is, is so that they can perform at their best. And, and I think, uh, that, that applies in, in the music world too. Yeah. How was Tom Brady able to play until 45? How is Aaron Rodgers still playing now at 40? And obviously it very much relies on the very things that we're talking about. Let's take it back to the beginning. Even though your grandmother had bought you several plastic guitars when you were three or four years old, it was actually when you were seven 
that you really started playing thanks to having met Stevie Ray Vaughan at a concert your father promoted. What do you remember about that experience, both meeting him as well as being inspired by it to decide you really wanted to pursue the guitar? Well, I just remember every time I saw him play, which was more than once, I mean, I was in just complete awe of him, just completely enthralled and uh, captivated. So he, he really had a profound effect on me, you know, when he performed. And so I just, I just wanted so badly to get a guitar and try and learn how to play with that passion that he played with, you know, so that maybe one day I might, well, first of all, it was just for me, just for my own satisfaction, because I just loved playing music, you know, but then it became, you know, I want to be able to affect people the way he affected people, or at least come close to it, you know, and, uh, and then, you know, I met him several times and he was just one of the nicest people and it was a tremendous loss when he died and you know but if it wasn't for him uh, i don't know that there would be a kenny wayne shepherd you know mm. that's just kind of the fact of the fact of the matter and it was that inspirational to me along with a lot a lot of other artists but but seeing him and meeting him that day uh just really lit the fire inside of me to to sit and spend the countless hours after school every day when i was a kid just playing and playing and playing guitar until I could make it sound good, you know? Okay, but that being said, for any young people that are listening, were there any times when you walked away from it for a while or got so frustrated and were unsure of it? Because I had a guest a few weeks ago said, I quit playing guitar three different times before I finally recommitted to it. Or were you just from that meeting with him on just all in? No, I've never stopped playing guitar. I've never walked away from it. Um, I can't even imagine doing that, to be honest with you, but that's just me. I mean, I understand everybody has their own path and their own experience and that's great, but I, I can't imagine my life without guitar. Um, yeah, I would say that, you know, nowadays I don't sit around the house for hours and hours and play guitar like I did when I was a kid because my life looks different now. So, you know, I play for hours and hours when I'm out touring and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but when I'm home, I mean, I'm still dedicated as dedicated to the instrument. I just, don't have as much time to dedicate to it when I'm home because, you know, I have a wife and uh, wonderful children to take care of as well. But, um, but I've never, I just can't even imagine my life without being able to play guitar. That would just be shocking to me. In the intro, I mentioned that from 1995 on, you took seven singles into the top 10. Your debut album, Lead Better Heights, hit number one on Billboard's U.S. Blues chart. You had just turned 18 years old three months before that album came out from the category of results not typical did anyone tell you at that point it doesn't happen this way meaning did you understand the gravity of what you had accomplished well yes and no i understood that there were no guarantees i mean i was just as curious as anybody as what the public reaction would be to my music because I was virtually, you know, an unknown artist and, you know, a guy playing guitar who was, you know, the namesake of the band that didn't sing the lead vocals and, you know, doing blues music as a teenager. I mean, it was just all these things that potentially would have been stacked against me. And so um, I was curious to see what was going to happen too. And, you know, I always knew that there were no guarantees and, you know, but I've been very um, surprised, like as a kid, you know, the, the way that, uh, the rea- the positive reaction and the way that the music community welcomed me. And, and so uh, it's just one of those things where, 
you know, I look back as I get older, you know, you get perspective as you get older. It's like for a while there, it just all seemed normal to me because that was my life. That was normal Mm. to me. But as I, you know, have my own children and they're growing up and I look at them and they're 13, 14, 15 years old and I'm going, you know, and I'm looking at them and I'm going, I see how young they were. And I go, man, I was about to sign a major record contract at that age. Mm. I was performing on stage at 13. I was recording demos at 14. It's just, you know, then you really go, wow, that's not normal. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's really exceptional. It's the exception to the rule. It's not the norm for everybody. So I can appreciate that further now. Okay, so then I have to ask, are any of them doing music, showing interest in music? Is dad kind of nudging them towards music? No, I'm not nudging them towards anything. It's like uh, nobody did that to me. So they're all musical. They're very musical. They can pick up an instrument and 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 pick it up very naturally. But nobody yet has really sat down and showed the kind of dedication that I had. But it doesn't mean it won't happen. But I just, you know, I play music because I love to play music. And I think that's part of the key of longevity to with anything is that you're doing it because you love doing it and not because somebody's telling you to do it. Let's go back to something that you just said in there. Nobody nudged you, even with your dad having been promoting concerts, you didn't feel that that was him in some way influencing you to go into music. No way, man. My dad was trying to tell me he was trying to influence me to not go into music (laughs) because he knew how challenging the, the business was and how, uh, unlikely it can be that you actually have a break and become successful you know i mean he he if anything he was trying to discourage me and he mm. was like you need to go to college and <laughs> you know become a doctor or a lawyer or something <laughs> like that well for any aspiring artists who are listening i think there's a potential teaching moment in all this talk kenny about starting out the way you did meaning hitting number one on billboard's u.s blues chart with your debut album does that set the bar high enough to be nervous going into your second album or is it you know what it's a great accomplishment but you've got to leave that behind you and go into your next project as though the slate is clean because I think that a young artist today could fall into that trap of their first release does really well and they think okay then I guess my second one is going to also well it's something that I was you know they call that the sophomore slump you know when you have a big first album and then Mm. your second album tanks and I didn't know what that was until people started asking me about it when I was, you know, in the process of writing and recording my second record. And I was like, what are you talking about? And uh, and then I started thinking about it. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe I was just naive or whatever. But um, I didn't feel the pressure. I, you know what? I, I felt more of a purpose, actually, driven by the success of the first mm. album. I knew that the second album was my opportunity to really kind of cement my place and to prove to people that I deserved to be where I was at and that I plan on being here for the long term. And so I, I used all of that as motivation to, to make the record that we made. I like that. I like that. This is the Milestone 500th episode, and I am joined on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line for it from Nashville by guitarist and vocalist Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Visit his official website at kennywayneshepherd.net. I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Once you land on his website, wow, lots to see. Check out the music section for his vast catalog, including links to purchase from Amazon. There's also a merch section where you can get signed CDs 
as well as things like t-shirts, hats, hoodies, and more. By the way, his new album, Dirt on My Diamonds, Volume 1, that's coming in November, is available for pre-order through Apple Music or order a signed CD of it through the merch section of his website. As you heard me say in the intro, he is doing lots and lots of live shows, so check out the tour section of KennyWayneShepherd.net for details on where and when you can see him perform live. And yes, of course, he's very much on social media. Look for the logos, the links, right on the homepage of his website to go engage with Kenny on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. I really try to stay away from saying this, but you can actually get paid from using the OWL app. You hear me talk about them every week, and yes, I have not only cashed out on there, but I'm closing in on the threshold to get the next payout. But that's not the reason to use it. OWL, it's like the bird except with two W's and two L's, is a really powerful tool to make great connections. And I don't just mean a private message like you might send on, say, LinkedIn or Instagram. I'm talking about actual voice calls through the app. You don't give out your phone number. So you can have a conversation with people who you might want to collaborate or do business with or hire or maybe get as a new client. It depends on the industry you're in, but even still, there are lots and lots and lots of professionals from a wide, wide array of industries. On my podcast website, nhte.net, tap or click anywhere it says home, and then read the article I have posted there under the headline, Help Now a Phone um, App Call Away, to learn more about OWL. I've also got links in there for you to download the app for free from either the App Store or Google Play. Plus, you will see my invitation code, which is a required field as you're setting up the app on your phone. Get on OWL and start on your way to making great new connections for your career. Kenny, back in the intro, I read off some of the late night talk shows you've appeared on. Since I'm in a celebratory mood, what with this being episode 500 for me, I would love for you to share the story of November 2010 and sitting in with the house band on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, the guitar that you played that night, and how that all came to be. Yeah, so I was that evening I was playing the white uh, Fender Stratocaster that Jimi Hendrix played at Woodstock. Um, and that all came about because Paul Allen, uh, who co-created Microsoft with uh, the other guy, I don't know, I can't think of his name right now, but <laughs> Paul Allen was the uh, the other guy from Microsoft. And, and uh, Paul collected, you know, instruments and he had, uh, that was one of the gu- guitars that he owned was Jimi Hendrix's Strat from Woodstock. And, um, and I was friendly with Paul and I had done these, uh, events and, you know, he had a museum in Seattle at the time. It's called the EMP experience music project. And they had all this stuff on display. I think now they've changed the name to Mopop, but anyways, um, so we would do these events and they would honor people and they would ask other musicians to come in and play music in these, in, in honor of these musicians. And, and, uh, I had made several appearances at those things and they would take guitars out of the cases sometimes and, and ask me to play them. And so, uh, you know, I played, uh, one of the other Jimi Hendrix guitars one night that he owned. And so I think that was, you know, gave him the idea that um, when I was in New York and I was on the Experience Hendrix tour where we were paying tribute to Jimi Hendrix and they lined up this uh, 
Jimmy uh, Fallon appearance that he would fly the, the Woodstock Strat out and put it in my hands to be played uh, live on television. And then wow. later that night on stage at the Beacon Theater for the concert. So wow. it was pretty cool. I mean, it was really magical. And, uh, you know, I mean, the vibe off that guitar was just tremendous. And, um, you know, I, I've been very fortunate, actually, in my career to play a lot of very famous guitars and um, to be trusted to do that. Uh, was a real honor. No doubt, no doubt. Great story, great story. Stephen Stills from Crosby, Stills & Nash said that The Rides, the band I mentioned back in the intro of you and him and Barry Goldberg, was, quote, the blues band of my dreams, end quote. I know Barry is 80 and Stephen is 78, but I've got to believe that The Rides really held a special place for you, given that there's still a section on your website devoted to The Rides. Can you talk about that as well as how you felt when Stephen made that blues band of my dreams statement? Well, Stephen's like a big brother to me. I actually just saw him, and we played together in Indianapolis on Friday night uh, at a concert, and uh, not as the rides, but it was a big all-star show that that we did. And so, you know, I'm still very close with him. I still love him very much. And, you know, I think, you know, the two of us would love to, to still be able to make music together, but scheduling is a nightmare. Right before COVID happened, we were actually – talking about getting together and writing some songs and making a third album together. Mm. And, you know, obviously that hasn't happened yet, but you know, he's my opinion is one of the greatest songwriters, American songwriters in the history of, you know, American music. And, uh, and he's just such a talent and I admire him so much. And we had such a great time, you know, as a band making two albums together, doing three tours together. And, uh, and it's just the whole experience has just been fantastic. And it continues to be every time he and I get together. So um, I just admire him very much. And, and I know he had a lot of time, uh, a lot of fun doing all that stuff with me as well. I love it. I love it. I mentioned the Kenny Wayne Shepherd signature series Stratocaster designed exclusively by you 15 years ago this month, ironically. I'm thinking that all these years later, you're still all in with Fender products. Assuming that's the case, and given that I mentioned the live shows that you have coming up, how many guitars will you have on the road with you, and is there a favorite? Well, yeah, my favorite guitar is my 1961 uh, Fender Stratocaster. and then, uh, But as far as the Signature Series goes, we did three models back in 2007 or eight. I think was when they were first released, but just... Uh, I think two years ago or maybe three years ago, we released a brand new model. So we have a, a new American-made Kenny Wayne Shepherd Edition Stratocaster that's currently on sale, and I'm playing it live on stage, and it's a beautiful guitar. It sounds great. plays fantastic, and a very proud thing for a guitar player to have something like that. No doubt, no doubt. You have, no doubt, done countless collaborations over the years with a wide variety of others are artists. There's one from way back in the day, 2004 to be exact, that jumps out to me, which was Kid Rock. But I wonder, is there a name notable by its absence? Is there someone, and I guess you can say more than one, that you have your eye on, maybe a borderline bucket list type performer that you have not collaborated with but are wanting to? No, not at all. Because those things just kind of happen on their own. And it seems kind of stalkerish to me. If, you, if you're like sitting down with a, a pen and paper writing a list of people that you intend on collaborating with, that seems a little a little weird. So I just kind of let things happen that are supposed to happen, and they happen when they're supposed to happen. Yeah, I like it. I like it. There's no question that countless players 
look up to you as one of their guitar heroes. Two questions. Is there any part of you after all these years that still feels like me when you hear that? And secondly, what about you? Who are your guitar heroes? A lot is out there about past, but maybe present or maybe someone that you're going to say that's an up and comer. I mean, there's lots of great guitar players that are up and coming right now. Um, and we've been having a lot of the young people opening up for us, trying to help use my platform and my audience to help the young people, you know, kind of expand their audience and have a platform for their music. But there's actually a lot of young ladies in, in blues music that are making a, a name for themselves and, and making really good music. Like, uh, there's Samantha fish and there's Ali Venable and there's, uh, Van Mark and Poe. It's a couple of sisters and, you know, so like the ladies are really coming up and, and doing their thing, which is cool. Um, but my heroes are all kind of the same as they've always been. You know, it's the it's the blues guys. It's Jimi Hendrix. It's Stevie Ray. It's Albert King, BB King, Freddie King, Albert Collins. You know, just so forth and so on. Those are have always been my big influences. And then some of the modern contemporary people like Clapton and Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. Um, but recently, if if I really have kind of gotten immersed in anybody's playing outside of the blues guys it's been uh getting into uh david gilmore mm. you know because i've been i've actually played his very famous black stratocaster several times mm. a friend of mine owns that guitar, and i played that guitar live and and then asked to play some pink floyd material on it and so it's kind of gotten yeah i've kind of done a little bit of a deep dive into him and he's just an incredible guitar player you know because he really brings a, a lot of a bluesy influence into the music that he's created over the years as well so it kind of really resonates with me love it you just released on august 25th the official music video for sweet and low the first single off your upcoming dirt on my diamonds volume one album Wow, more than 87,000 views on the video in the first 11 days alone. And folks, it's no surprise given that Kenny's official YouTube channel has almost 99,000 subscribers and over 73 million combined video views. Kenny, I watched the video. It looks great. I love the addition of the lyrics over it and just the look of the video in general. At this point in your career, are you the one saying, hey, we need to do a music video, or are you so focused on recording and touring that you leave it to someone else? And for that matter, will there be another video at some point for another song off the new album? Yeah, we actually just got done shooting a couple of videos. I mean, everything's up for discussion now in the industry. It's like, are videos important? You know, they're certainly not as important as they once were. And nowadays, it's almost like, 15 second or 30 second video clips are more important than a music video. So it's like, you know, everything is up for reevaluation nowadays and like, what's the right thing to do or what's the smart investment or, you know, the best way to, to reach people. Um, but yeah, we've done a, uh, that was a lyric video that we did with some, some live footage mixed in there. Um, but we did a couple of actual music videos for the next two songs that we're going to be releasing prior to the official release of the album. So those will come out as well. As you just mentioned, the industry has changed so much. You've been around long enough to see a lot of those changes. I wonder, with the reemergence of vinyl, will Dirt on My Diamonds Volume 1 be released on vinyl? Yeah, we've been releasing everything on vinyl for a long time now, so we'll definitely do a, a vinyl release. And, and there's a Volume 2 
uh, which I don't know if I mentioned that earlier or not, but that one will come out on vinyl as well. The volume two will probably come out sometime about a year from now. You said that with great conviction. It makes me think that you have never considered not releasing on vinyl. Am I correct? Oh, yeah. No, we started doing it. I don't even know. It's been probably since 2004. And then we've done some uh, limited vinyl releases of previous albums that had never been released on vinyl before. But I mean, it's like, I'm a, I mean, I'm a vinyl enthusiast. So, I mean, it's important to me, but also to the people who, who love it, about that format. You do play live so, so much. Does the fact that Volume 1, and you're mentioning Volume 2, will be releasing this November and then next year mean that you will be doing maybe even more touring that you've already done to promote the albums? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're always on tour to some degree or another, but you know, the, we put out new records so that we can go play concerts for people <laughs> because that's what we do best. So, yes, these albums are giving us you know, the opportunity and, and the tools to be able to go out and it's setting us up for, you know, the next, you know, two to three years of touring. Fantastic. Fantastic. And Kenny Wayne Shepherd fans everywhere are thrilled to hear that. We're going to close today with another one of Kenny's original songs, the one that you just heard him talk about the video for, and he had mentioned it earlier in our conversation. The song is called Sweet and Low. Kenny, before I let you go and I play that track, share with the audience first all about this song, if you would, please. Well, Sweet and Low in particular is uh, one of those songs where you can hear a lot of different musical influences kind of converging um, all in one song, you know. But really, to me, it's, it's about this kind of uh, this groove that we created, you know. The, I mean, the, the groove is the vehicle, you know. It's like the lyrics and, and uh, the singing and all that stuff, I mean, you know, there's not tremendously deep lyrics, but they but they serve the song well, and it's really about serving the music because that groove is really infectious, and uh, it's a perfect platform for ripping guitar solo, and uh, it's certainly one of my favorites off the record. Can you remember where you were and when this song was written? Yeah, I was in Nashville and we had a, a writing session. It was about you know started around. Between, I don't know, 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning and one of the guys walked in and he had just gone to the to the coffee shop and he was like, man, I was putting some sweetener in my coffee and I just started thinking about that packet of sweet and low and maybe we could do something with it. So we just said, okay, let's try and write a song about it. And it's not about a cup of coffee, but that's just what sparked the idea. Wow. Wow. And I'm sure that over your long career, you've got probably just any number of stories similar to that of some of the most abstract things that came into the writing room that you said, like you just explained, the song is not about sweetener, but that just prompted the idea and launched what could be some of your biggest hits. Yeah, you never know where inspiration is going to come from, but some of the greatest songwriters are, are one of their biggest talents is being able to pay attention to what's going on around them and use that as inspiration. Kenny, absolutely wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you ever so much for taking time to be on Now Here This Entertainment. Congratulations on the new release and looking forward to seeing you out there on the road soon. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you. With that, I will wrap up the Milestone 500th episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. Thank you for being here for this truly special occasion. I'm so grateful to everyone who listens, no matter where you are in the world and no matter how long you've been with me. Please know that it absolutely means the world to me 
to have an audience that allows me to keep putting out a new episode of this show week after week, month after month, year after year, to the tune of 500 episodes. And wow, some truly fantastic guests along the way as well. My sincere thanks to guitarist and vocalist Kenny Wayne Shepard for being here today. As I mentioned earlier, I'm going to put a link on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net, to his official website, which is kennywayneshepard.net. His new album, Dirt on My Diamonds, Volume 1, comes out on November 17th. Pre-order it on Apple Music or get the signed CD from his website. For that matter, look at the music section of kennywayneshepard.net for his extensive back catalog. Remember to also check out the merch section on his website for other music as well as t-shirts, hats, hoodies, and more. And as I mentioned earlier, you will want to check out the tour section of kennywayneshepard.net for details on where and when you can see him perform live, what with all the shows he has coming up this and next month especially. Engage with him on social media. On the homepage of his website, look for the social media logos to connect with Kenny on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. While you're at it, let him know that you heard him and his music and now hear this entertainment. I do truly hope that you like this show, that you're enjoying what I'm doing every week on the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast. If you've made it all the way to the end, thanks for having stuck with Kenny and I, and I'm going to assume that that means that you do like the podcast. You can take action to let me know that you appreciate the work that I do to keep making this show happen every week, every month, more than nine years, 500 episodes, without missing once by going on my podcast website, nhte.net, and then using the yellow Buy Me a Coffee logo there, that you will see. This is not a sponsor. It's not affiliated with any brand or chain. It's just a fun way for you to send your support, your thanks to me, including a note that I will see when you utilize that option. You can also just head directly to buymeacoffee.com slash Bruce W. That's going to do it for episode 500. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Kenny Wayne Shepherd. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Sweet and Low.
Oh, yeah.